one of the things we really try to focus on with clients is that look don't don't pigeonhole CTAs as only making money when there is a financial crisis or when there's an, a big equity sell-off this sort of crisis alpha type concept at the end of the day CTA and, and just quantitative agnostic trading in general is going to take advantage of market movements no matter what the reason no matter what the driver and in 2014 we got the opportunity to prove that Hi, this is Tim Pickering, founder and president of Auspice Capital, and you're listening to my year in review on Top Traders Unplugged. Imagine spending an hour with the world's greatest traders. Imagine learning from their experiences, their successes, and their failures. Imagine no more. Welcome to Top Traders Unplugged, the place where you can learn from the best hedge fund managers in the world so you can take your manager due diligence or investment career to the next level. Here's your host, veteran hedge fund manager, Niels Kostrup Larsen. Welcome back, Tim, for this review of 2014, where we look at the big events from the point of view of your trading strategy. I want to explore both the ups and the downs, as well as the big takeaway from what can only be described as a great year for systematic trading strategies in general. But as you know, because you're systematic in your trading, it doesn't mean necessarily that your strategy deals with the market events in a similar way. So it'll be very interesting to hear how you found 2014. So let's just jump into it and tell me from your perspective, how did the year evolve both for your firm and, and, and for your strategy? Yeah, so thanks for the opportunity. Um, yeah, the year ended up very good. Um, it, it wasn't a straight line by any stretch. Um, 2014 really started um, as a year that uh, was, again, testing us, uh, testing our strategies, testing our, our fortitude uh, with those strategies and testing our business model. Um, it started, uh, if we think back, as a very... Uh, low vol year and uh, wasn't just a low volatility year in, in terms of say the VIX or, or some measure like that. But if you looked across many asset classes, uh, the volatility was very low, uh, commodities, currencies, as well as the financial markets um, uh, in general. And, uh, you know, that, that first half of the year, really, uh, really tested our resolve and, and even the resolve of our investors. Sure. And um, so, you know, it, uh, it, it surely wasn't a straight line. Yeah, no. When you look at the year and you try and break it down, and if we just start by breaking it down by, by markets, um, what would you say were the biggest contributors for you in 2014, both on the upside, so to speak, but also, you know, on the downside, if, if, if there were any, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the markets that contributed most for us um, were uh, FX, um, currency markets, um, and, uh, and the energy sector within commodities were the, uh, were the standouts. Um, there were other contributing marketers for us in our attribution um, we did well additionally in uh, soft commodities, uh, in grains, um, in interest rates and in metals. 
Um, the, the most challenging market for our strategy was definitely the uh, the equity index market. Um, we don't uh, currently trade single stock futures, um, which may have been more beneficial last year, but um, equity was uh, was a bit more challenging. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. And I hope I'm not revealing too much by saying that if I'm not mistaking, the two top performing sectors you mentioned, FX and energy, were actually probably the most difficult ones the year before. And I think that just goes to show how unpredictable things can be, but also more importantly, how important diversification really is. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I, I guess every strategy uh, has its edge, whether that's designed or or sort of comes out by accident. Um, you know, our, our strategy seems to do uh, exceptionally well in times of volatility expansion um, and in times of, uh, you know, downside or short opportunity. And um, that's definitely what we saw in, in currencies and energy. So um, it was a good environment for us in that regard. Sure, sure. Now, um, you know, we certainly had a year with some big moves. People will remember some of them oil dropping 45%. Maybe not so much, uh, you know, people uh, noticing that coffee went up by 52%. But and a lot of other commodities had big moves as well. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that trading models can capture these moves uh, as well as you would think. So when you look at the year as a whole, are there any markets that stand out to you where you say, actually, we should have done a little bit better considering the move that the market had? Oh, there's always there's <laughs> always there's always a long list that sure. uh, you, you hope that you could have done a bit better in. Um, I think that, um, you know, the, the year again started out, uh, I guess what I'd characterize as choppy volatility. It was low volatility, but it was, it was choppy as well. And, and we did make some gains uh, in the first half of the year that we were happy with. Uh, as you mentioned, coffee. Um, and we had both long and short gains throughout the year in markets like, um, corn, soybeans. Uh, some of the metals like nickel, palladium, platinum, um, softs like like sugar. Um, but, you know, I guess not an individual market stands out. I think it just stands out as that first half of the year where our quest is to do better in those environments. And, uh, you know, that's always our driver. We, we feel fairly confident that when the, the volatility or the momentum uh, does come, that we'll be able to capture it. Uh, as I said, especially we feel very confident on the on the short side. It's those times when things are muddling about that uh, um, is our quest to do better. Sure. No, absolutely. Now, I don't know if this is entirely true, but I'm going to try and ask the question anyway. If you look inside your portfolio uh, of models, so to speak, or strategies, mm -hmm. um, and, and obviously I don't remember from our recent conversation uh, you know, everything you do, but were there any particular strategies or types of models, if you look away from the markets, but just look at those kind of, uh, uh, you know, um, that side of, of, of the strategy, were there any of those that kind of stood out during the year, uh, you know, positively or negatively? <laughs> Uh, it's a good question. I mean, in our, our portfolios, um, we combine obviously momentum and trend following is, sure. is a key, is a key part of what we do. Uh, term structure, 
where you're going to place yourself on the curve comes in in, in a number of ways. Um, we do trade some shorter term strategies and, and some pattern recognition type of, of concepts to a, to a lesser uh, allocation. Um, but at the, at the heart of it, it is um, uh, a trend following approach. I guess when I think of our strategies in a year like 2014, why did we do uh, very well as the market uh, started to experience a period of opportunity like from June on. And I would say the reason is our strategies are in that um, sort of medium term, shorter to medium term variety. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are quite agile. And the agility, uh, especially we find um, in short opportunities is of great benefit. Um, that comes at a trade-off, you know, agility uh, in times when it's uh, choppy um, you know, it comes at a cost. Sure. And so the question is, have you designed strategies that evolve and adapt to those different environments? And again, that's kind of always the quest. Um, but that agility is, is really what stands out to me. If you had strategies that could adapt quickly to, um, changes in momentum, um, you know, for markets, as I said, you know, markets where we traded both long and short successfully, um, that's what stands out to me as necessary in a in a slightly more volatile uh, environment, and, and so we're quite happy with our results. You know, our core strategy, which has been uh, you know around for a long time, and in, in the life of Auspice and and its genesis goes back before Auspice, uh, really made the bulk of the gains in uh, 2014. Sure. No, absolutely, and 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 as you've alluded to a couple of times, you know, the year really was a year of two tails. I mean, we had, you know, three very difficult months for the industry as a whole. A lot of people wrote off trend following as yeah. a strategy, uh, you know, in the media, and then it took off. You know, we had eight or nine, eight out of nine months with positive returns for the industry as a whole. But, but here's the thing. The year will be remembered for certain events. You know, Ukraine, Russia oil obviously uh and and you I, I guess with your location you practically have oil in your veins i imagine but <laughs> but um but but people will normally associate i think most investors will associate these crises with something negative oh you know we lost money on our oil stocks because oil went down yeah. or the yeah. volatility from ukraine caused us to lose money so but but that's not necessarily the case for these kind of strategies. So that's if right. you was gonna if you were gonna visualize to investors listening right now how those kind of strategies and obviously we don't wish anything negative for people generally because we know these events often are not necessarily productive for people, but it could be productive for opportunities in the markets. But how do we visualize uh, you know, Ukraine or Russia or oil in terms of how you manage to navigate that scenario yeah i mean when i think when i think of the year i mean those are all uh real stories fundamental stories things that happened in the world and in the markets and at the end of the day um they're not the things i think of or describe in terms of what um contributed to the environment and the result of 2014 to me it comes down to one thing that was we had a volatility expansion that occurred starting in june it started in equities, it moved into uh, currencies and rates and into the commodities, obviously, and we were able to take advantage of it. And one of the things we really try to focus on with clients, whether they're retail right to institutional clients, 
is that look don't don't pigeonhole CTAs as only making money when there is a financial crisis or when there's an, a big equity sell-off, this sort of crisis alpha type concept, at the end of the day, uh, CTA and, and just quantitative agnostic trading in general is going to take advantage of market movements, no matter what the reason, no matter what the driver. And in 2014, we got the opportunity to prove that, that this is an absolute return strategy. It is non-correlated to uh, to the traditional markets. And in, even in a year like 2014, when you look at the end of the year, equity had a fine year. Sure. It wasn't a, exactly a smooth ride, but equities are up um, globally. And, uh, you know, if you picked different sectors within it, you probably got beat up. Uh, but in general, it had a good year and we had a good year too. In fact, we had a much better year than, uh, you know, the equity benchmarks. So that's what I want people to remember is this is a non-correlated absolute return strategy. It takes advantage of movement and volatility and, and don't just, you know, hire a CTA or put CTA or wait a CTA in your portfolio because you think there's going to be an equity sell-off or crisis because that is not the only driver to our returns. Very well put. I appreciate that. Thanks so much. Now, the end of a year is often a time where we sit back and, and uh, you know, we look at the good and the bad that we've gone through during the, the, uh, the, the, the past 12 months. Um, when you do that, what is the highlight for you uh, of 2014? You know, and, and what challenges did you have and, and what did you learn from them? Yeah. Um, you know, are you talking about market challenges or just in general? It could be in general. I mean, if we look at it from, uh, yeah. you know, maybe not too personal here, Tim, but, but you know, it, it could be it could be related yeah. to trading, perhaps. Look, I mean, when, when I think about a year like 2014, it was obviously it ended up with a good year in performance and, sure. and for us company growth. And that included new clients, even new client types, institutional clients that we've been working uh, working with for many years. So, so we're very happy with that growth result for us. But it was a year that I can tell you in all honesty that tested your resolve. Yeah. It tested your resolve uh, to not fade in terms of the strategy. Mm. Uh, we experienced some pressure in different aspects of our business in terms of, you know, I'll give you an example uh, in our managed futures index strategy, uh, why we don't include equities. Right. Um, you know, the first half of the year, it was a all equity going up story, low volatility, uh, us not including equities in that caused a bit of a drag in that strategy. Sure. In the latter half of the year, not including equities, uh, we feel really vaulted us ahead in that strategy and that strategy outperformed for for the, uh, the groups that are invested uh, through it. So, it really was a year that tested our resolve. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I guess I come out of it, we just don't get all that phased anymore. Yeah. What we signed up for, and this goes back a long time in our careers, um, we've been trading this way an awful long time. It's kind of a million paper cuts. We have a million little paper cuts um, and, 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 you know, it kind of wears on you, but then you get these great gains. And that's the long vol concept versus this human need for constant gratification, um, which we all have in us, and then a blow up. At the end of the day, even though it was a tough start to the year and a tough few years, and I tested our resolve, 
I can sleep good at night because I know that when their opportunity does arise, I feel very confident that we're going to be there. And I hope that our investors have that same confidence in that in us. And, and you know, that's ultimately our, our, our goal to uh, to communicate. Sure. I mean, you touched on it a little bit before uh, you mentioned some new products. What else changed uh, on, on your side during the year? Anything on research you found, any upgrades or any, any other sort of changes you, you'd like to highlight? Yeah, I mean, uh, this is it's a constant research process around here. But um, yeah, we did uh, we did make a lot of headways from a research perspective. We have been digging very hard in the last few years. And again, it's not so much to say um, when these good times come about, how do we uh, do better? Because we've done very well in those times and continue to. It's it's looking for edge in terms of the tough times, and um, you know we feel we've done uh, done very well in terms of growing uh, from a research perspective. Uh, not have tunnel vision, uh, looking at new ideas and being open-minded. And it really, you know, it really comes down to, you know, a really simple concept. And, and that is sort of to evolve and improve. It, it starts with analytical thinking and that's based in replication. And every successful initiative and project starts from a place of replication. But if you want to adapt and evolve, that requires new thinking, it requires intuitive thinking, and it requires curiosity. And just because we're systematic traders doesn't mean we don't have that new thinking, intuitive thinking, curiosity. And so that innovation and that concept is something that I impress upon upon my team here. And it really is the heartbeat of what we do at Auspice. It's to grow, to innovate, to improve, to be better. And uh, that's what gets me up out of bed every morning. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I want to quote uh, Mohammed Al Arian uh, because he was on the on CNBC uh, a couple of weeks ago only, um, and he said something along the lines that if he had to sum up the world right now in one word, it would be divergence. And we know, of course, that a lot of traditional hedge fund strategies are not particularly well suited for a world uh, with divergence. They prefer sort of more <laughs> convergent environment. But yeah. I just want to ask you, sort of just, just for you to put your spin and, and your words on, on that, when someone like a, a, a uh, Muhammad Al-Arin, who's obviously been right about a lot of sort of big themes and, and new normals and, and what have you, If he's right about this, we, we you know we are going to go into a world of divergence for a period of time, not just in the markets, but structurally, politically, economically, and so on and so forth. What does what does that do to you when you think about that? Uh, in a nutshell, to respond to that, I would say I have you know seldom been this excited excited about a market environment. When you go through periods of quiet, you know, whether we're calling it convergence or, or whatnot, um, you know, it, it again, it tests you. Sure. And th this is a strategy that needs movement. Um, I, I agree. I think we are in an environment where it's going to be more vol volatile, whether we call that divergence. But I think that's going to create opportunities for those that are uh, agnostic for those that are disciplined. And those are the hallmarks to what we do in this industry and what we do at Auspice. Um, it, you know, I kind of laugh because the word hedge fund comes up, you know, and uh, I think hedge fund, most aren't. 
I mean, they're, they're tilted long. They've got a convergence type approach, whether it's a short volatility approach. Um, they do well when things are, are status quo. And at the end of the day, the true, the true value and the true, you know, hedge fund concepts comes out of groups like, like CTAs that can take advantage agnostically on the short side. You know, I even look at us. We made more money being short this year. And we are, you know, historically, we've done just as well being short. And um, I think that ability um, and that real dedication uh, to that uh, short side philosophy is really what separates strategies and managers. And, uh, you know, if you say, well, you know, we'll trade short, but we won't trade short in energy. Mm. Like, well, you know, tell you what, that, that's, uh, that's illogical and uh, that's based uh, in, in some emotional concept. And, and uh, we really think that um, uh, this concept of divergence and the opportunity going forward is massive. Yeah, yeah, very true. Unfortunately, not so many investors thought that uh, 12 months ago. Uh, I noticed <laughs> that uh, Morgan Stanley just revealed their uh, survey uh, for 2015, but they, re they, they revealed that from the uh, 2014 survey where they were asking people, so what's going to be the best strategy in 2014? Only 2% mm -hmm. uh, answered CTAs or yeah. systematic traders. In, with such a surprising outcome, what do you think that means for the industry? And and let me, I want to f maybe phrase it a little bit differently because in 2009, we had a massive inflow in, in, in these kind of strategies following a very strong year in 2008, a little bit similar, although without the crisis that we saw last year. Um, but we also know that a lot of these investors probably were chasing performance for the wrong reasons. Uh, they didn't necessarily appreciate why they were investing in these strategies. And they, you know, to a large extent, left the industry uh, a few years later. So how do we avoid 2015 and 2016 to be a repeat of that, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I even said it to uh, some of our colleagues here. I want investors to invest in 2015 with us for the right reasons, not yeah. just chasing returns. You know, we all want to grow our assets and, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, we're trying to build a, a long term uh, business model here. So, um, you know, I, I look back at the year and, and I, and you're right. I mean, it's, uh, it, it uh, we had investors that uh, grew impatient, uh, with the industry, with us. So let's say, um, but we did experience a lot of investors that did see the opportunity. So I'll kind of take the other side of that. I read the same reports where, you know, nobody thought uh, or predicted CTA would be on anybody's radar. And we've had our largest institutional um, uh, deals done and inflows, uh, relationships grown um, in 2014 than we have in any year in our history. So we feel there there is uh, a group that is, uh, looking a few steps ahead, um, you know, unfortunately, not all groups think that way. They are going to chase returns and they're going to do that human thing, that constant gratification thing. Um, and that's just life. And, um, you know, it reminds me of one thing and, and that is <laughs> whenever people, and this kind of start goes back way back in my career. Sure. It reminds me that whenever people say something won't happen, it will. <laughs> the first time that experience, you know, came about, and I think I mentioned it in our past talks is natural gas. Well, it can never go beyond $2 to $5. It can never go from five to seven, you know, and, and it got as high as 10 or 12 and it could never go back down to two. And all those things happen, but people sure. said they couldn't or wouldn't happen. 
The same thing happened with CTA. CTA is dead. Well, no, it's not. Uh, FX or currencies won't move anymore because of interventions. Well, that's not true. Volatility is gone. It's hijacked by the Fed forever. No, that's not true. And so I see this uh, as such a great opportunity. And I think there's a lot of smart investors that see the same thing. And I think the last point I would make is 2014, again, becomes very valuable because CTAs, quantitative traders, agnostic traders, whatever this whole bucket is, had a chance to prove that they didn't just need that equity sell-off or financial crisis to make right. money. And I think that is going to be extremely important for investors of all types, whether it be retail, high net worth, financial advisors, or institutional uh, type investors. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's that's very true. I mean, the the solid performance without a world crisis really makes uh, it stand out compared to 2008. That, that's yep. for sure. Now, Originally, I wanted to ask you, what would you advise people to do when you sit in front of them looking into 2015? But I want to rephrase it, given what you just answered. When you look at that inflow you mentioned, and when you look at that sort of um, different approach that an institutional or however many institutional investors we were talking about that that took the leap and, and actually went into your strategy during 2014, again, going against sort of the mainstream, what do you think convinced them? to do it because that that will be the key i think for many institutions listening to us talking today or or, or at a later date um what, what do you think convinced them that this is the right thing to do oh that's a that's a really tough question um you know i i think it just takes the um market experience and uh really I call that a maturity or, or or just been around a long time to see that, look, if it ever gets too good in something, in life, in whatever, it probably is. Mm. You know, I, I went through a period when, when in the energy trading business, when I was working for a big oil major, that, you know, it was all about Enron, and and it just sounded too good to be true to me. Sure. <laughs> and you know, sure, and sure enough, um, as one simple example, and I, I really believe in that philosophy. And and I think certain institutional investors look said this has been a great few year run. Yeah. Um, we've made great gains in, in many traditional strategies. Um, it's time to start thinking about what are those alternative strategies. And they bulked up on things like infrastructure, uh, real estate, private equity. And then when you're really breaking it down in the alternative world, what are the strategies that can really do well at times of volatility expansion, mm. at times of momentum shifts, all those things. And it really it, it comes up with the same answer. And then that is, you know, CTAs and, and quantitative strategies. So I think that uh, uh, I don't have an answer in terms of why sure, they sure. did it or, 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 you know, what that key driver is. But I think experience told them that things have been really good. We better dig deep and, and look at this. And just because something hasn't done, you know, extraordinarily well for a few years doesn't mean it's not valuable. The last thing I would add is, you know, again, non-correlated strategies like CTAs, while they haven't performed at their top level for the last few years, when everything else is doing well, given they're non-correlated in a portfolio, they're surely not hurting a portfolio very much. Sure. And so a, a true asset allocator understands that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Very well said. I have only got one question left, actually. But before I do so, I just want to give you a chance to maybe 
highlight something that I haven't touched upon, something that you might want to just bring to everyone's uh, uh, attention. Um, so, you know, if there's anything, let, let me know. Ooh, um, you know, I don't have anything that really just pops into my mind. Uh, you know, we consider this an environment that's going to be great and opportune. And, uh, you know, at Auspice, again, we, we, we look to innovate. Uh, we're launching a, um, an index based on the price of Canadian crude oil okay. um, here in, in this year. So a beta type product. People, again, may question why a, a group like us would do that. Um, we feel there's an opportunity to get a product out there that doesn't exist, uh, allow investors to have access to a market that um, is, is challenging to gain access and transparency to. That is the Canadian crude oil market. Um, and so that's uh, one of our projects in, in 2015. Um, but, you know, we're at the end of the day, we're just very excited about where we are. Uh, we've made great strides from an institutional perspective and, and feel very positive about the year. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of energy uh, um, in the space and uh, we're really excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in a sense, um, I guess my last question maybe is a little bit uh, related to that. And, and that is, you know, if you could make a wish for the new year, whatever it might be, what what would you like to to happen uh, in 2015? I I think it's it goes back to the previous question you had. I, I would just like the opportunity to meet with investors that have the similar mindset in terms of them focusing on the asset allocation, uh, judging strategies on their merits, and uh, and and really let's let's not just talk about you know the last month or three months or year of performance. Let's talk about what the strategy contributes to a better portfolio for the investor. And that investor could be retail, high net worth, right up to the institutions. It's the same, uh, very similar conversation. So, um, you know, my goal in 2015 is, is to focus on that conversation. That sounds very good. Well, unfortunately, you know, our time is up for this short uh, episode. Uh, Tim, I want to thank you again for, for being on the podcast and sharing your uh, insights. I also want to congratulate you on a very solid year. And I want to wish you and your firm all the very best for the coming 12 months. And uh, I look forward to catching up in, in 2015. So thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. And uh, we wish you all the best as well. All right. Take care, Tim. Cheers. Bye-bye. See you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Top Traders Unplugged. If you feel you learned something of value from today's episode, the best way to stay updated is to go on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show so that you'll be sure to get all the new episodes as they're released. We have some amazing guests lined up for you. And to ensure our show continues to grow, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. It only takes a minute and it's the best way to show us you love the podcast. We'll see you next time on Top Traders Unplugged.